Hello, I'm Eduardo Jackson, the creator and founder of Cinema Draft. I am also your host. I am rolling solo this evening because, well, life got in the way and looks like I will be flying on my very first solo pod. So bear with me. Now, you may ask, what is Cinema Draft? Well, think of it as daily fantasy sports meets the movies. But instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies. And how these movies perform at the North American box office, you earn points to compete against others for prizes. And we'll get a little bit more into gameplay later. Uh, we will pour a little liquor out for my normal co-host, who's not here this evening, Peter Vogt, lead designer on Cinema Draft. Uh, he might be catching some Z's right now, but that's okay, because... I've got some information to share with you about our upcoming weekend slate for Cinema Draft. We are still in our test phase, so we'll be going through a lot of changes, a lot of updates throughout the weekend, and hopefully you'll see the progress, and fingers crossed, we'll be launching sometime soon. Uh, so I actually want to introduce a new segment this week, uh, something that I'm called what I'm watching. And normally uh, I would have some really good interplay with Peter, but I'll just take this time to share with you some of the interesting stuff that I've been watching lately uh, that really has, as my old acting teachers say, filled my vessel. Uh, right, right now we still are in what is considered to be the golden age of TV. Uh, I'm watching Mr. Robot on USA Network, and that show is oddly very weirdly lit. I mean, it is the lit family. I mean, it's got everything you would want in a, in a modern kind of techno thriller. I mean, everything's up to date. It seems like it's almost on the, the cutting edge of what's happening right now with with uh, all the cybersecurity issues. It, it involves Bitcoin, one of my personal faves, blacksandbitcoin.com, my personal little uh, site uh, for Bitcoin engagement. Uh, you also have like this oddly kind of detached and and kind of like you know dead-eyed uh, lead character who's oddly charismatic only because he's so detached and such an unreliable narrator. I mean, you really have no idea what's going on in his world or the world at large when you're watching him. So I highly recommend Mr. Robot. Only two episodes left uh, before uh, this season's over. Uh, it's only in the second season. There are only 10 episode seasons, so if you want to binge it, binge it this weekend. Be caught up for the season finale next weekend. But I'm very much looking forward to Mr. Robot tomorrow night. Um, what else am I watching? Um, mm, Brain Dead. Oh, my goodness. All right, so so one of my favorite shows, probably of all time, lately, it's, it's easily in the top 10 category. And considering the degree of difficulty, I mean, it's it's a really good show, is uh, uh, The Good Wife. And it's from the creators of The Good Wife, the husband and wife writing team of Robert and Michelle King. Uh, they created this kind of like summer project called uh, Brain Dead, which basically is like an update of Invasion of the Body Snatchers. But in this case, instead of uh, like flat-out aliens, it's like an alien, alien insects have infected the brains of politicians in the U.S. Congress, and which kind of lead to them doing really crazy, irrational actions, policies, and behavior. And the irony is that, of course, a lot of what they're doing hits really close to home because it might as well just be a stand-in for what's been going on in our modern political system today. And to keep it very current and cutting edge, I mean, they incorporate 
you know, all the names you know and loathe, you know, your your Hillary's, your Trump's, your you know, senators, what have you. And then also you have this fictional world of the Senate, which, you know, mirrors a lot, you know, just like our real world. Uh, they have a lot of uh, amusing stand-ins for people. There's definitely a stand-in I see for uh, Nancy Pelosi. Um, I believe there's even like a meeting at the at the Fed with um, – uh, with uh, with a, a very with a J uh, Jack Lou uh, lookalike. I mean, it's 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 very very much uh, old Quran and of the times, and it's very entertaining. Uh, it's it's supposed to be like a, a drama, and it is it's dramatic, but it's got light moments too because the whole scenario is so crazy. I mean, imagine. I mean, maybe that's one way to explain Trump's behavior. Maybe he's been body snatched. I don't know, but. This world makes it seem very plausible, really sharp writing, uh, the music you know, by David Buckley. And for people who've known me for a while, they know I love me a good soundtrack. But the same type of classical score you'd find in the soundtrack to The Good Wife is here in Brain Dead. And really, really fun, entertaining, um, lightweight summer TV. And from what I've read, they've set it up so that the next season, if it's renewed, will be set on Wall Street. And God knows they've been acting a fool on Wall Street. So, uh, and then the future seasons would include Silicon Valley and then Hollywood, of course. And then the other show I really want to hip you to is Atlanta. <sighs> oh my goodness. Okay, so a little background on me. From Seattle, very proud. I've definitely repped the 206, but my real formative years, you know, from 17 to 21, was spent at Morehouse College in Atlanta. Matter of fact, <laughs> going a little retro, I'm wearing my. My Morehouse College freshman shootout shirt. I thought about changing it to some more cinema draft-like attire, but you know what? I'm old, damn it. I'm going to own it. Yes, we had this tournament on October 9th, 1993. <laughs> that, was, that was about a week and a half for my 18th birthday. Um, and uh, very proud of my alma mater. Had some of the best times of my life down there. And Atlanta is a TV show that really encapsulates the A. I mean, it's just, just from the way they talked. I mean, we, we all know all these characters in this show. And just watching Donald Glover, the, the creator, producer, writer, uh, and star of this whole show, just watching him kind of stumble through, you know, life, the young black male in Atlanta with his very Atlanta friends <laughs> and their very Atlanta mannerisms and speech patterns and scenarios. I mean, it's just, it's like 40% of my soul has just been, you know, exploded on TV every week. It's only in its second week. It's uh, aired three episodes already. It's only going to get better. I'm really excited to see what they have each week. Je definitely check out Atlanta. Okay. Um, so what I, so I saw a couple movies last week. Uh, I saw Southside with You, which is kind of like a fictionalized version of the Obama's first date. And I guess the legend has it, uh, Barack Obama was an intern at uh, Michelle Obama's law firm. She was a junior associate, and he, they had some, you know, day-long date together, which is where the, the sparks first started for them to actually become, you know, for the eventually led Michelle Robinson from Southside Chicago to become Mrs. Obama. And it's an innocuous movie. It's fine. Um, it. It kind of aims to be like a rambly, talky, like a, a before sunrise or before sunset, that whole series uh, from Richard Linklater and Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. It's kind of positioning itself to be one of those type of movies. And that's fine. 
I mean, it's 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 enjoyable enough, but it's really feel, really feel kind of lightweight. Not you know, I guess because we already know the outcome, the stakes aren't really that high, um, and it's fairly forgettable to be honest with you. Um, but it was it it was worth you know a matinee or whatever. But the real movie I wanted to talk about a little bit was Sully. Now that's one with Tom Hanks starring as Captain Chesley Sullenberger, Berger, Berger, things Berger, uh, the pilot who. While experiencing dual uh, engine failure at low altitude, heroically, you know, glided uh, 747 onto the Hudson River on a what's called a forced water landing. Not a crash. Make very clear in the movie, it's not a crash. It's a forced water landing with dual engine failure at uh, extremely low altitude, uh, with 155 souls on board, all of which, all of whom were saved and accounted for. And so I was actually really curious about this movie only because, I mean, it's got a really good pedigree. It's got Tom Hanks, Aaron Eckhart is his, uh, co-pilot. Lauren Linney, you know, has the fairly thankless, you know, wife role or what have you. And, um, and, but it's directed by Clint Eastwood, you know, heavy hitter, very, you know, very rah-rah patriotism guy. You know, Clint Eastwood recently has done American Sniper, um, uh, I guess he won the Oscar for a million dollar baby, I think. So he's you know, a really accomplished filmmaker at Eastwood. And of course his acting over is legendary, but uh, I was a little curious to see how, how this would play uh, only because it's a singular event. And I, and everyone remembers the event. Um, they, they, they remember hearing about it. Uh, maybe it was more of a exciting event for people who lived in the New York, you know, tri-state area, but, I mean, it's it, it was you know it was something amazing. It's not every day or any day you hear of a 747 landing safely into a body of water, and basically, uh, I was curious to see how he would extrapolate this single event into a full-length movie. And to his credit, I mean, he keeps it you know relatively short. It's 96 minutes. Uh, it focuses on the psychological ramifications uh, of you know uh, Captain Sullenberger uh, and his crew of of having survived that crash or having navigated that crash, there's an investigation which forms around the heart of the, the plot that goes into whether <clears throat> he actually was justified in landing, you know, a plane in the river instead of trying to make it back to one of the airports. And a whole lot of stuff goes on in the movie that you, know, you should check it out. It's, it's, it's an interesting movie that basically goes into a big battle between, you know, man versus machine, you know, you know, uh, analog versus digital, you know, simulations versus, you know, actual flight experience and, and basically how, how our, our lives are becoming, you know, more and more digital, but how you still need human touch and human intuition to sometimes save the day. So that is what I am watching these days. Uh, so what we were going to do is we're going to we're going to uh, have a little draft of our five favorite football movies. <clears throat> now, usually what would happen in this in this segment is Peter and I would go back and forth like one after the other, um, uh, picking or drafting, you know, a cinema draft style. Uh, what some of our favorite you know football movies would be, and since he isn't here, we're bereft of of his divergent experience but i mean it's pretty it's 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 a pretty uh exciting list uh pretty standard list for for a lot of football fans and we're doing football movies this week only because obviously the first day of football season kicked off on thursday uh we had our first big football sunday i don't know if you know you're like me but i'll just plop down with my laptop 
and a pile of wings in front of the big screen and NFL Red Zone, one of the best inventions ever, and just go to town. I mean, I love that stuff. Uh, and this is no different. Had all my, you know, little fantasy lineups set up. Uh, I am the reigning champion, you know, uh, of my fantasy league, Maroon Mayhem. <laughs> I, know, I know if anyone sees this, they'll be hating on it already. Uh, I am definitely obnoxious during my reign. I'm the type of person that at the end of every post, because I am the reigning champion, I will put hashtag the champ is here at the end of every post, as well as go, go YLT. Cause my team name this year, and I change them every year, my team name this year in honor of uh, the Washington professional football team's quarterback, Kirk cousins. Uh, my team name is you like that. You like that. You like that. I love it. So at the end of every post, I put hashtag the champ is here, hashtag go, go YLT. So Maroon Mayhem, if y'all are watching, this pod isn't for you. All right. I'm, I'm just going to hate. I'm a hater. When it comes to my league, I'm a hater. I'm the biggest trash talker. I have a lot of fun. Uh, and that's what fantasy leagues are for. And quite honestly, it's been the connective tissue for this group of friends and associates for over for almost 20 years. So uh, for all of you in the fantasy world, you know, who, you know, hopefully will be checking out Cinema Draft when we do launch live, so hopefully sooner than later, uh, you know, em em embrace your, your fantasy nerd. You are at home with me and my people. So I would just say uh, if we were to pick uh, our five favorite football movies, uh, number one, well, maybe that's much number one on my list, but if I were drafting against, you know, a live opponent, I would just take off the top just so he wouldn't take it. Um, my movie, my first movie I would take would be Remember the Titans because I am a huge Denzel it, Denzel fan. Um, and also shout out to Denzel Washington, his greatest actor of all time period podcast. Love that podcast. But yes, I am a Denzel it. I love Denzel. I always have since like, gosh, maybe middle school, um, ever since I got into acting and stuff. He's always my number one favorite actor. And Remember the Titans. Uh, I'll never forget where I was when I first saw Remember the Titans. Picture it. Mm, I think it was maybe summer uh, 2000, uh, the Rose Bowl, Pasadena, California. I was a struggling, you know, background actor, uh, writer, just trying to get put on. Uh, somehow, uh, a friend of mine, I think, uh, knew one of the writers of of the movie, Gregory Allen Howard, and she scored um, uh, pre premiere tickets at the Rose Bowl. So they had like one section of the Rose Bowl with like, you know, a bunch of people, nowhere near filled. They had like a section of the Rose Bowl, you know, uh, uh, filled with a bunch of people, a screen, a big screen set up in the middle of the field, whatever. Uh, and we all watched uh, a special premiere of Remember the Titans. Denzel might've been there. I don't know. I wouldn't have been within a thousand feet of him. But I was in, as much as I love Denzel, I'm like, okay, this is a Disney movie. It's already rolling my eyes. Like, how good is this going to be? But I was pleasantly surprised, if not shocked, at how much I enjoyed this little PG movie. I mean, so think of the things you're trying to tackle in this movie, Remember the Titans. Race relations in, in a period piece in 1960s Virginia, uh, Herman Boone, a real-life person, this, this, so this technically is a biopic, Real life Herman Boone, coach of a 
of, of a high school football team um, was coming from the black side of town or whatever to lead the white side of town's team on to glory. And then in doing so, demoted the current <laughs> in integrating the, these two schools, right? Uh, the, the, the black school and the white school, and integrating these schools into one school, he ends up demoting the original head coach of the fairly successful um, uh, uh, white uh, high school's team into becoming his assistant. So a lot of tension, a lot of egos bumping into each other, and you, you just kind of, you know, I mean, you just kind of think, okay, it's gonna, it's only PG. It's gonna be fairly sanitized. It's not gonna be very interesting. It's got, it's from Disney for crying out loud. But my goodness, they delivered. Denzel, I mean, just, I mean, just delivers one of the most commanding authoritative studies and leadership that we've seen for him on screen and even more impressively so does it among young men and with that nary a curse word to be found i mean when he when he you know brings them all together in that camp to to bond and everything and he has the little versions of tough love or whatever that eventually gets melted down a little bit by the enthusiasm of, of their youth and everything the sing-offs the dance-offs and what have you and a young ryan gosling who plays Sunshine, the perpetually smiling, you know, happy-go-lucky California flop-haired quarterback? I mean, young Ryan Gosling, you know, all all you know, teeth and blonde hair uh, in this movie. I mean, it's it, it was it was really kind of touching. But then when they actually get to you know one of their real big tests in the middle of a game where 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 they're 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 behind and and he just like scraps the playbook. He's like, look, you know, yeah, I want to see some real defense. I don't want to see them cross midfield. And he just gets into everyone's face and just fires them up. I mean, it's just it's just classic Denzel, man. It's just classic Denzel. I really appreciate and love that movie. Um, remember the Titans would probably be first off the board for me. Um, what's another good one? I'm I, I'm I, quite honestly, I didn't really prepare for this pod. I thought I have some backup. <laughs> So I'm cheating right now. I'm I'm actually checking. Oh yeah, I'm checking. I'm check, checking Google. Of course, this is this is this is a classic one. Varsity Blues, home of the whipped cream bikini. Gotta love it. It's. I mean, I don't want your life. <laughs> James Vanderbeek with just one of the the silliest Texas draws ever. But I mean, as far as like small town high school football, uh, that didn't quite take itself too seriously, you got to love it. It's a bit of a cult classic. That one came out, when did that come out? That one came out in 1999. Yeah, so I was, you know, I was, you know, a little bit out of college, whatever, you know, but I could really relate to, 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 to the antics of high school and, and not so much a small town because I'm from Seattle, but I mean, it, I just really, I really enjoyed that movie. It was a lot more entertaining than I thought it, you know, would be or had any right to be. Young Paul Walker as, you know, the, studly, you know, upright, you know, injured quarterback for whom, you know, scrappy Jonathan Moxon, a.k.a. James Vanderbeek, usurps uh, uh, his his uh, starting role, you know, while he's injured in order to lead uh, his team on to victory. I mean, it's, 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 it's a classic tale, but, you know, done with a really irreverent, you know, really high school, small town twist. And of course, you know, once again, I mean, not to harp on it, but that whipped, that whipped cream bikini was something else. Allie Larder, you go, girl. Uh, oh, my goodness. Any given Sunday, stop the presses. I'm really beaming. 
You got the girl steaming. <laughs> Jamie Foxx taking over for what would have been Puff Daddy's role. Sean Diddy Combs' role. It's, it's just another iconic football movie. I mean, it was it, Oliver Stone, so you know it's gonna be you know it's it's gonna be gritty. It's gonna be some cussing involved. Gonna be some some real life football going on. Rumor has it, LL Cool J and Jamie Foxx literally came to blows in the set. I mean, just so much testosterone and ego. And then you bring in the, the sage veteran leadership of Al Pacino, and that whole scene where Jamie, you know, what, I, I'm gonna add this to my Netflix. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna watch that again tonight. That is a great movie. That whole scene between Pacino and Jamie Foxx sitting down, mano a mano. Young cultish buck who's ready to take over the world, who's feeling his oats, right? He's ready to, ready, he's ready to assume the, you know, the, the leadership of the team, even so much away from the coach. And then the old wizened coach who knows more football, who's forgotten more football than Jamie Foxx's character would ever even know in his lifetime. He's just try, he's really trying to wrest control of the team from his quarterback and, 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 and also mentor him in, in, in a way, in, all, in the only way he knows how, which is a bit of old school leadership style. Just those kind of butting of heads of new school versus old school. You got to love it, man. You really do. And then the football action is probably some of the best football action we've seen on, on film. That's one of the problems with a lot of these sports films, that they get the sports totally wrong. Like, like you'll see, like for example, Teen Wolf when they're shooting baskets, and you see the shot go up, and then the swoosh. I mean, I hate that shit. No, no. So this is, I mean, you can really see the hits going on. They're really hitting out there. They're they're really playing. At least it felt like they were playing. I mean, they had real football players in there. You can always kind of like pick out, you know, the little stars of the day. You know, back then it was a really fun movie. Uh, really, uh, really good drama. And you know, it's Oliver Stone, man. I mean, he can he can really you know film some stuff. I'm very much looking forward to Snowden too. It's coming out this weekend. I can't wait. Um, all right, so that's three down. What else? I would say, mm, you know what? We don't have enough laughs, damn it. I'm going to say, it might be a controversial pick, but I'm going to say The Water Boy because <laughs> you can do it. I mean, come on now. That's, I mean, it's, it's, it's Sandler's before he just totally fell apart cinematically <laughs> when he still was funny playing, you know, uh, Bobby Boucher, uh, <laughs> the water, another classic, you know, coming from the bleachers type role of, of Sandler's where he just kind of comes out of nowhere, you know, to insert himself into the action and becomes a star and, and a fan favorite. I mean, got that crazy, you know, uh, Cajun draw, Kathy Bates' mama. You know, him uh, seeing his his backwoods Cajun self go to school and try to to learn some stuff about the amygdala and all and all good stuff. I mean, it it's it, it is really it really is classic uh, uh, Adam Sandler. I miss that Adam Sandler. Where'd you go, man? Come on back. Come on home. We miss you, Adam. Um, they they've got on here like Jerry Maguire's a football movie. That's more like a football agent movie. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily put that as a football movie. Uh, these are all really good. Like you know, Last Boy Scout, Necessary Roughness. That was a little more campy, but Necessary Roughness not bad. People live and swear by the program. I don't know, man. When I saw the program when I was a kid, I don't know. I didn't really enjoy it. I mean, that came out in like '93. I mean, you know, I was I was in high school, going to college, whatever. Uh, I, I thought it was I felt it was kind of bad. I'm, I'm gonna try to watch it as an adult. I'm gonna add that one to my Netflix also because I just feel like I either didn't appreciate it somehow, uh, and, and sometimes there's just some movies that just miss you, right? Like for example, uh, you can count on me, the movie that 
pretty much made Mark Ruffalo and um, uh, what's not not Laura Linney, but uh, maybe it was Laura Linney um, that uh, or that or maybe it was Laura Dern. I always get those two Lauras confused. Laura Linney, Laura Dern. But anyways, it definitely made Mark Ruffalo a star. But that movie when it came out. I, uh, it just missed me. I was heavy into reviewing movies back then. I saw everything that came out. Sometimes I get screenings and everything. I went. To, I think I might have seen that at like a specialty theater or whatever. You can count on me. I remember watching that movie and I was just I was bored out of my mind. Like honestly, I did not get it. And for lack of a better term, it just felt like you know, eh, middle class white people problems. I just couldn't relate. I just couldn't relate. I'm sorry. Um, but I'm glad that that it did whatever it did because it gave us it gave the world Mark Ruffalo. Thank you. You can count on me. Uh, and Kenneth Lonergan, I think you've done some other stuff I might have liked, but I just didn't get You Can Count on Me. Sorry, just missed me. Um, all right, so for this last one, I am going to choose... Uh, they've got some really... I mean, Google's funny. they got some interesting movies on here. Like I said, Two for the Money is more about sports gambling than, say, football. Um, uh... Oh, I mean, everyone loves Rudy. I know Rudy's up there. It is a heart warmer. It is a tear jerker. Like I get it. I'm not. I'm. I'm. My heart isn't an ice block. I do prick me. I do bleed. I feel you on Rudy. But I'm gonna go a little different. I'm going to go with. Huh. Okay. You know what? I will sit on this. Wildcats. It gave us so much. Wesley Snipes, Woody Harrelson in their first team up. Goldie Hawn is the is the the, the scrappy uh, 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 coach of, a, of an inner city uh, football team. Some fairly decent football. A lot of laughs. Um, made way back in what was that 1983, maybe 1986. I, I really enjoyed that movie. I do have some fond memories of that. Uh, so yeah, let's make Wildcat my fifth movie. There's my five drafted favorite uh, football movies for this week's pod. Uh, check them out if you haven't seen any of them. Some of the older ones you might want to see if it's out there on Netflix uh, or, or on a stream, streaming service somewhere. Um, but just to recap, we had Remember the Titans, Varsity Blues, The Waterboy, Wildcats, and what's the one I'm forgetting? Uh, any Given Sunday. There you go. Five drafted uh, football movies. Uh, so this is going to be the segment where, for those of you new to the podcast, I will tell you what Cinema Draft is about. So what is Cinema Draft? I would So basically it's the fantasy sports version of the movies. As I mentioned earlier, it's basically, you know, like the DraftKings movies. And instead of drafting athletes from teams, you're drafting actors from movies. You draft 10 actors, all of whom are assigned a dollar value salary. You have $100,000 in your budget to fit all 10 actors onto what we call a call sheet. Think of it as your roster or your lineup of your stars. And you you have to draft 10 actors, no more, no less. Now, complicating things a little bit, you have three release types of movies. Because you know when the movies come out, they can either go really wide or really small or sometimes in between. If they go really wide, 2,000 screens or more, we call it a wide release. Medium, you know, 500 to up to 2,000 screens, we call that limited release. And then really tiny, anything under 500 screens, we call a platform release. And so you have to have at least one actor from each of these three release types, but 10 actors total, 
all of whom you have to afford under your budget of $100,000. I know, it's a little complicated. And one last little wrinkle is that because we all go to the movies to see stars, right? Like, for example, Jack Reacher, Never Go Back is coming out. We go to the movies to see Tom Cruise. We don't go to the movie to see the extra. So Tom Cruise, as a headliner, is going to be weighted a little bit more. Now, his, val his salary value might be a little bit higher, but his points are also valued more. So if you draft, you know, say, Tom Cruise, his points are worth 40% more. Give you a quick example. So, for example, let's say Suicide Squad earns $100 million on its opening weekend. Will Smith's points are going to be worth more than Margot Robbie's. So, for, so let's say you get one point per each million that Suicide Squad had for each actor. Margot Robbie's points would be worth 100 points for that $100 million opening weekend, while Will Smith would actually get 140 points because of that 40% headliner bonus. See? Not too difficult. The game is free to play, and we will be going into private invite-only beta testing real soon. So stay tuned. Check us out on all, our, all of our social media channels, which I'll give at the end of the podcast, so you can keep up current with our Cinema Draft game. Now, the shot list. And let me bring this up for you guys. So basically, the shot list uh, is is my picks. And uh, basically, it's it, yeah, shot lists are news and views you can use to pick the winning call sheet. Basically, what I think I can give you as far as a little bit of strategy on what actors might be hot picks for your call sheet. So if you were playing on our test this weekend, you can have the highest scoring call sheet. Now, to give you an idea of, of what the talent pool is, and the talent pool is the list of available actors and movies you have to choose from, on your uh, for your call sheet. I'm going to share with you my screen real quick and show you what uh, a talent pool looks like. All right, so check that out. So so here you have your movies. We, we have 20 in our talent pool this week. And this, and this gives you an idea of what we estimate the screens and release will be and what the release types will be. Wide for 2000 and up limited for that mid-range, you know, between 500 and 2,000, and then below 500, your platform films. And once again, you must have one actor, at least, from each of the three different release types. So, and here's the pool, where you get to see what each actor's worth from all the films, all right? So I'll just kind of keep this up as I go through uh, the shot list for this week. Now, the first one I want to bring attention to is going to be Shailene Woodley from Snowden. All right. Now, she's a headliner. That's what these, these uh, green bars designate. These are your headliners. So her points are going to be worth 40% more. A little pricey at 17000 but it's going to be a wide-release film, 2,400 screens or more. Uh, and call me crazy, but I think there's going to be a lot of interest in this film because it's Oliver Stone. Uh, it's also her co-star, Joseph Gordon-Leddit, another headliner, is starring as Edward Snowden. A lot of, you know, hacks and everything going on recently about cybersecurity, so I really think that, that you should add her to your call sheet. She's, on, she's part of what I would call the A-list. Another A-list act you want to consider this weekend is Aaron Eckhart from Sully. Now, it's in its second weekend. It did $35 million its opening weekend, so uh, still a lot of positive momentum. A lot of people 
price. I haven't seen the movie yet. I still think it could probably get between 15 and 20 million in its second weekend, thanks to good word of mouth. I saw it uh, myself, like I mentioned earlier, and it's got, you know, I, I think it's got a little bit of staying power. Clint Eastwood movies tend to do pretty well. Uh, and also when, when they're, his, with his movies, which tend to skew towards an older audience, older audiences don't always turn out on opening weekend. They tend to, they tend to stretch out the life of a film a little bit longer. So, so I think it'll have a, a pretty decent second weekend, even in the face of Oliver Stone Snowden, which actually, believe it or not, might skew a little bit younger only because it's about cybersecurity and our hacking culture and what have you. Uh, so, so I would grab Sully as the cheaper of the two headliners at 14600 in wide release. Still a little pop left in the, that film for this weekend. Now, co-starring, that's like our second tier of, of uh, actors that you should target for your call sheet this weekend. So we have this phenomenon that is called No Manches Frida. It's my attempt at a Spanish R. And for whatever reason, this movie, which is largely cast of Mexican actors, and I know very little about, has been burning it up in the platform release uh, uh, type. But I think because it's been so popular, it's going to creep over just into the limited uh, category. So for that reason, the price of 8500 for all of its actors has been lowered. Or, or it was 9500 last week, but it's been lowered to 8500 this week. So a little bit of a discount, but that's because it's going to a higher uh, release type. And I still think there's some value there. It, it gained about 2.1 million over the weekend, 2.2 million, good for 22 points in the platform release uh, type. So now that it steps up its game a little bit, it's probably gonna, it's probably not going to score as many points uh, because in the in the limited release uh, type, you get one point per every 500,000 in box office gross versus one point for every 100,000 in box office gross as a platform release type film. So in the limited release type uh, area, it may slow down a little bit, but there's not really a lot that's going to be, you know, ringing the register this weekend uh, as far as limited release types. I mean, The Light Between Oceans, uh, it's it's kind of doing its thing, but it, you kind of feel like it's it's petering out. It's essentially a small film that's been really well cast. Uh, I don't really see a lot to love in the limited release types. We have to have an actor from that range, so you might as well go with Omar Chaparro um, from No Manches Frida, or, you know, or you can go Martha Higareda. Uh, also a headliner, so you get the 40% bonus. Uh, now, the next one I'm going to suggest would be Callie Hernandez from Blair Witch. Now, all these Blair Witch people are unknowns, kind of like the first Blair Witch. Horror movies tend to do really well in their opening two weekends, but my big question is, and this is why it's been, uh, the actor values have been priced so low at 6600 coming out the gate, is is there enough nostalgia for you know the one time you know semi hot indie franchise that came out I believe in like the late nineties like I think it was ninety eight or ninety nine like it was like I was I was a pup back then I remember seeing it in the theater and being like what the hell is this I mean Steadicam I mean I don't know if it's really made a comeback per se but I, I really I, I really wonder how how much uh, love there is still for this type of filmmaking, especially when anyone, when you and I can make this type of film off of, you know, our camera phones. But anyways, they're coming back out with this. They're really kind of hoping that that the <clears throat> the legacy of the Blair Witch uh, films from earlier will kind of carry it 
you never know with horror movies, man. It's, they're really high variance. They really either pop really high out of nowhere or they kind of fizzle. I'm kind of hedging my bets, which is why this is on the co-starring list and not, say, on the, the A list. So I would say take Cali Hernandez and that 40% bonus. 6600 super affordable. Um, I'm not, I, don't, I don't know if you would stack this film with actors from it, but you know, at least sample it with Callie Hernandez, maybe even her co-star, James Allen McCune. And then the last part of the shot list is what we call the cutting room floor. And these are movies you want to have no part with. The uh, uh, first one I'll do off the rip is Mr. Church, <laughs> all of Mr. Church, Eddie Murphy making a comeback or something. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the trailer for this film, but this just smacks of what I like to call the Magical Negro. Um, Magical Negro, if you're not familiar, is a trope, an archetype uh, commonly found in film where you have uh, black people who exist solely to advance the the life and goal and dreams of it, the white protagonist. Uh, classic examples of this are Bagger Vance, pretty much any black person from The Help. Uh, and it's just it's just really tired and played because these these people, these, these magical Negroes, I mean, they, yes, they're, they've are they got a lot of wisdom and they're mystical and, and whatever. I mean, hell, freaking Morgan Freeman you know, at times made, I mean, Driving Miss Daisy, another perfect example. Morgan Freeman, you know, made a college industry of helping white people achieve their goals while having no inner life of his own. Often they're asexualized. They don't even know what they think about like a lot of matters. They're just basically there to help facilitate, you know, the the life and, and goals and dreams of white characters. And it's totally played out and tired. And that's all I got from this trailer from Mr. Church. And to be honest with you, I think, you know, in this advanced age of social media where so many, you know, great progressive and intellectual thoughts are are shared so freely and exposing people to other to opposing points of view um, so much easily. I'm, I, I I think Twitter and social media is onto it. They smell the magical Negro bull, Negro bullshit, and they're not having it. So I really think Mr. Church is going to flop as well. It should. Uh, and also, I mean, just say no to Morgan. I mean, it's priced appropriately now. It's pretty much rock bottom. The lowest price on Cinema Draft for actors is five thousand, and so it's pretty much rock bottom price for a reason. It's 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 probably going to drop from 2,000 screens to the six or 700 range. No one's seen this movie. I mean, it seems like an interesting premise. Got, you know, a decent review from Entertainment Weekly, but no one's interested. So, I mean, even is even though this movie might be a nice little flick, we're all about results here and the points in the box office gross. So just avoid this. All actors from this movie like The Plague. All right, now, so that is your shot list for this week. And so I'm just going to wrap things up. Um, where can you find Cinema Draft? Well, for starters, go visit our landing page at cinemadraft.co. That is http colon slash slash cinemadraft.co. Cinemadraft.co and sign up for an invite to our free beta. We also have our handy, we also have all of our handy little uh, social media that you can find for us there. Uh, matter of fact, let me just share the screen real quick so you can see what our landing page looks like. There we go. See, sign up for for a beta for an invite to our beta. You click there, it'll take you to a screen. You can sign up, get a little basic information, and we'll become best friends. And that will 
uh, get you on our list and we'll send you an invite so you can partake in these, this weekend's events now that you have all the inside information on who to draft. And also visit us at any of our awesome social media, uh, Facebook at Cinema Draft, uh, Twitter at Play Cinema Draft, Instagram at Cinema Draft, Medium slash at Cinema Draft. We even have Pinterest, Cinema Draft. And on Medium, where I've been uh, reviving the Real Deal movie reviews as a bit of content marketing, check out some of my views on, mo on movies that are currently out. Uh, that also is at Cinema Draft. And, of course, our YouTube channel, which is kind of complex, and just basically click on it and go there. <laughs> All right. So, and that about does it for this week. Thanks for bearing with me on my very first solo pod. We made it! Mama, we made it! Uh, hopefully we'll be back with you next week with another edition of The Shot List and five new films to draft for your entertainment pleasure. And I don't have any outro music, so I'm just going to sign off. See you later.